you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. You know, so many of us, there's times when we feel small. We feel forgotten. And that's what uh, uh, Miss Terry and, and Mark was, uh, Pastor Mark was sharing. You know, we, we, we ask, does anyone really care about me? Uh, does anyone really remember me? And I, am I important? How, you know, I just feel so significant. Well, I just want to tell you this morning that God sees greatness in you. God sees you differently. He sees all that potential. He sees balled up in everything that he made in you, the potential to do amazing things, to go from small beginnings into big victories. The very name Zechariah, which this book, uh, the book we're reading here, means Yahweh remembers. Yahweh remembers. In 586, actually, B.C., the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar went and they destroyed Israel. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They took all the Israelites captive, left a, a few remnant people there. But for 70 years, 70 years, it lay ruined. It lay forgotten. It lay insignificant. It became small. It it was out of sight, out of mind for 70 years until God raised up a man named Zerubbabel. Say that 10 times real fast. Yeah. I'm amazed I can say that. Zerubbabel. Yeah. Okay. So Zerubbabel was called forth. And uh, that's that's the thing. God sees greatness. You know, God actually looked at Zerubbabel and saw greatness in him. Uh, Literally saw greatness. He was actually a descendant of King David. And God called him back to Jerusalem to build, rebuild the temple. Now, it's so important that we, we remember that God does not forget his people. Even when they turned their backs on him, even when they spit in his face, God remembered his people and allowed them to go back and build the temple. You know, God sees our situation very differently from the way we see it. You know, I see some of you nodding your head. You understand what I'm talking about. You know, the way we look at it, I used to look in the mirror, you know, and uh, think, wow, <laughs> you know, what a face. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 would make, I, I would make faces in the mirror. I don't know if I should do that right now, but maybe not. Andy's kind of squinching his face. I would make faces and try to contort myself and think, wow, I, I wish I looked this way, I w-, you know. And, and, uh, but God looks at us so differently. He sees amazing potential. God sees your your situation differently. He sees the greatness you can attain. He sees your potential. He sees what you can become. He sees what you can accomplish in the building of that spiritual temple that he has for you. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God sees greatness in you. Come on. Especially wife and husband. (laughs) God sees greatness in you. Great potential. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 We read already, the Lord rejoices in small beginnings. He rejoices to see when the work begins. God loves to watch things go from small and loves to grow them big. You know, that's an every nation thing. He loves it when people take risks, make sacrifices, you know, give up their own desires and start the work. So with all that said, what are some of the things that God uses so that we can go from small to big? Uh, Would you like to... Let's just join me. I mean, many of you can write this sermon. You can preach the same thing. But these are a couple of things that God 
just showed me through this scripture. And uh, so put on your seatbelts and just relax a little bit and let's go into this journey. The first thing is in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. The Bible says that the Lord rejoices when he sees the work begin. But he also said the Lord rejoices to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. You know what a plumb line is? Yeah, some of your carpenters or you've worked before, you know. A plumb line is just a string, piece of string with a heavy weight at the bottom, a little point. Yeah, my brother here knows exactly what that is. But, you know, it's, it's not that special. What it is is you could just roll that thing up and just throw it in your little carpenter's toolbox, right? It just, just sits there and, and it just uh, kind of collects dust. Or, but when it's time to put the building together, the work, it's really needed. It's really important. So I go in there, I pull it out of my toolbox, and I hold it out. And you know what? It says in the Bible that God rejoices. He jumps up and down. He shouts like the worship team here. He shouts and he's, he's excited when we go in the toolbox and grab the tools and start using them. Look at your hand. Look at your hand. Mine's pretty old and ugly. <laughs> it's been through a few things. I've I've worked with barbed wire. I've cut tangantan. I've, you know, done all kinds of things in my hand. God wants us to take our hand, to take, go into the toolbox and get the tools. Begin to use the tools, okay? I'm very simple. So uh, my three points, okay? I'm also a little bit baptistic. So I'm going to have three points. And each of them are going to be U and T. So the first thing is God desires us to use tools, Using the tools. How do we go from small to great? Using tools. We need to begin to use the tools. There was a brother in, um, in Iran named Pastor Mahmoud. And Pastor Mahmoud actually was a civil engineer. He worked in Dubai and uh, became a Christian there through our Every Nation ministry. A uh, pastor named Pastor Raul, uh, Ruel, shared the gospel with him. He came to Christ and they discipled him. He came to the Lord and was excited to, to serve him. Uh, but one day, he had to go back. His contract ended. He had to go back to Iran. Everyone knows, when, when I say the word Iran or Iran, it's like, you know, all, you, all these in, uh, images are conjured. You know, the Shah, Ayatollah Khamenei, you know, ISIS, uh, missiles, uh, nuclear, you know, all these things. Well, he was going back to this. He wasn't going to a safe place. He wasn't going back to a place where he could just sit back. And so he was wondering, Pastor Ruel, what, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm going back to, uh, to Muslim Iran. You know, I mean, people don't like Christians there. But I'm, I love Jesus. I, I, I want to serve him. So Pastor Ruel says, you know, uh, Pastor Mahmoud, just whatever uh, we've taught you, whatever tools we've given you, just use those. Just do what we've shared with you, make disciples, train leaders, and plant churches. That's all Jesus said for us to do, right? So he goes back home. He starts doing little bits of work here and there and starts using the tools that God gave him. He, he used foundation, purple book, you know, maybe one-to-one. He just used it. And, uh, uh, but he also used, he had the gift of hospitality, and joy. And Pastor Mahmoud is a gatherer. He, he loves to bring people together and start sharing with them. And then he's, he has a gift of gab. He loves to make people laugh, you know. That was his, another tool that God placed in his hand. And then the other tool he gave Pastor Mahmoud and his wife was the gift uh, or just praying. Just simple praying. So what happened was they found out some, uh, a relative was sick. 
couple of relatives were sick. One uh, was a young girl who, her, whose eyes were going blind. The other one was her, his uh, brother who was quite sick. And so his wife started saying, we're going to pray for uh, so-and-so in the name of Jesus. You know, we're going to pray for them. Prayer, Muslims love to be prayed for. But in the name of Jesus, that's something significant. So she started praying in the name of Jesus. You know, one night after, after a time of prayer, uh, a light came through this young girl. Someone uh, reported a, young, a light came through this young girl's room and just bang, just instantly opened her eyes. They brought her to the doctor. The doctor was wondering, how did this happen? How, how do you explain this, you know? And all they could say was, we prayed in the name of Jesus. And, you know, it got around the family. Everyone started hearing about these healings. His brother got healed. Different ones got healed. And they were still sharing, you know, with the one-to-one, the foundation, Purple Book. And uh, little by little, they gathered 45 of their family. All came to Christ. Former Muslims all came to Jesus. Then over a period of years, he continued to share the gospel. Eventually, they were able to put small groups all through Iran. And 400, 400 former Muslims came to Christ and were being discipled in these groups all over Iran. Amazing. God is so good, isn't he? You know, it's not, it's not a restricted access nations. It's creative access nations. God just used creativity. So... Uh, after the time, uh, the, the Iran government caught up, the secret police caught up with Pastor Mahmoud, and, and, and uh, they said, you can't do this anymore. They took him, put him in prison for four months. He was there for four months, interrogated, treated roughly. His family couldn't see him. The whole, uh, about six, seven years ago, all of us prayed, you know, and uh, he went to be uh, tried at, at, a, uh, at a court. And this was a time when they were just making apostasy or turning from Islam a, a, an offense that could be uh, tried, you know, finished by hanging. And so he went to the judge, and the judge asked him three questions. He said, is your father a Muslim? And Pastor Mahmoud honestly said, yes, he was a Muslim. He's dead now. Do you have the fear of God on you? He says, yes, I fear God, but I want to learn to fear him more. And the last question, are you submitted to the will of God? Yes. I love God's will. I am submitted to God's will. The judge looked at him and said, Mahmoud, I know you say you're a Christian, but I believe on the inside you're still a Muslim. Go, you're free. <laughs> 300, 300 people rose up and were angry. They, they're angry at the judge. They wanted to hang him, but he was able to escape. We, we brought him over to India, hid him there for a while. Finally went back to the Philippines. He always said, I needed training. After all he did, and we trained him there. And about four years ago, when we actually moved to Nashville, he joined us. And so Pastor Mahmoud and I uh, share office together. And uh, so his heart and passion now is it hasn't changed. He still uses the tools. He still reaches out to Muslims. Is his training with North Americans how to reach Muslims for Christ. He's already planted a church in Turkey underground. He's planted three, three underground churches in Iran and has a small fellowship of Farsi speakers in Tennessee, using the same old boring tools, the same old boring tools in the toolbox, one-to-one, foundations, purple book, and praying and gathering and all the tools that God's given him. So what are the tools that God has placed in your hand? 
What is the tools that God's... Some of you have the spirit of discernment. Some of you are generous. Some of you have a devotional life that's strong. Some of you have one-to-one books. Uh, well, I hope our devotional lives are all strong. But you, you have the one-to-one book. Remember, it's always, you know, you don't have to know everything. But as long as you stay one page ahead of the, of the thing. We used to tell our, our people, hey, as long as you stay one page ahead, you're fine. Brand new Christian. You know, you go out and disciple so-and-so. How do I do that? You know, you don't have to go through all this training. Just one-to-one. You know, one page ahead. Stay one page ahead. The purple book. You have that in your hand. Some of you have musical ability. Some of you have the gift of hospitality, leadership. Some of you have the gift of gab. You just know how to talk to people. Some of you have the gift of intercession. I I remember Pastor Steve was sharing with, uh, we have a team that's uh, uh, gone to Pakistan. And they already have 12 small groups in Pakistan, former Muslims. And they share the, the gospel with them. And Pastor Steve was looking at the team and said, you know what your tool is? You know what your gift is? The reason why people are coming to Christ is you know how to smile. Just your smile. I want you to smile to the person next to you. That's a tool. That's a gift. Yeah. Smile at your husband. Smile at your wife. <laughs> or your friend. <laughs> So it's using the tools. No matter who you are, what your education, financial state, God has given you tools. So ask yourself the question, how can I use them more? Okay, what was the first one? Using tools. Okay, using tools. The second, UT, Zechariah chapter 6, verse 15. The Bible says, people will come from distant lands to build the temple of the Lord. You know, when... Zerubbabel went back to Israel, to Judah. He didn't go alone. He took 40,000 Jews with him. This is the first time the exiles were going back. They, were all, they all had been slaves and, and prisoners. They went back to Jerusalem, 40,000 of them. They had to go. He had a united team that went together. So that's the second thing. We need, from, to go from small to, to big, we need a united team. In, in Psalm chapter 133, verse 1 to 3, it says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that pours over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as fresh as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. Unity, unity is a blessing from the Lord and brings blessing. Now, I want you to take a deep breath. Oh, hopefully the person next to you took a bath this morning. Okay. That's what unity is like when we breathe in. There's a fragrance. When that oil poured down Aaron's head, it was a fragrant oil. And when that oil went down and anointed him, it went from the top to the bottom. The fragrance went out into the temple. And you could smell this amazing aroma, beautiful aroma. And that's what, that's what unity is. That's what it's like. It's both good and it's refreshing. It refreshes us. Jan and I have, um, have gone to the beach just about every day, you know. I mean, we've lived near the ocean all our married lives except for when we ended up in Tennessee. We suddenly got landlocked, you know. We're kind of, no, ocean's like six hours away. So, uh, so we decided to, uh, 
to enjoy the water, we had to uh, get on the rivers. In, so we actually bought a canoe. So that's how we get our water. But since we've been here, it's been amazing. We've been to the beach almost every day. And I, I just love the beach here. It's just gorgeous. So we would bring our chairs and, and uh, just look at the scenery and, and enjoy the time. And Jan brings a book for me to read. She says, John has a book, you know. So, uh, so we read. And uh, after a while, the sun just gets scorching hot. And I, I get prickly heaty and got sweat coming down. And we're just hot as can be, you know. And then we look at each other and we get this, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's time. Let's do it. Okay. So we look at each other. We get up out of our chairs. And what do we do? We run to the water. We run to the water. And, woo, it's cold. It's refreshing. You know, you got your, you know, goosebumps all over. And it's, it's chilly, but it's refreshing. And, and then after a while, you, yeah, I'm going to throw myself into this. Whoosh, you know, and, and you just, what, what do you feel? It's just, you're refreshed, the wind's blowing, and it's like, life comes, you know, kind of life gets new again. You're refreshed. It's, it's like a new, you're a new person, you know. That's what unity is like. That's what harmony, what, it, what it's like when there's true unity between us in the body of Christ. It's wonderful. You know, sometimes, how, how do we get this unity? Sometimes we have to set aside our own agenda. You know, what I think, how I think pastors should run it. So how I think, you know, that guy should be. Sometimes we need to put away our pride. Sometimes we need to do, do the Philippians 2, 3 things and choose to think of others, others as better than ourselves. Sometimes we need to take the form of a servant. You know, uh, I remember... When I got married, uh, there was a, a bachelor party for me. And uh, one of the guys came up to me and said, he was a married guy. He said, John, you know what? The, just remember one thing. The married, and I'm giving you this advice to you who may get married someday also. The man always has the final word. He always has, and it's two words. And I, I was, you know, I was just like, wow, what is that? You know, I, I want the, you know, I'm the man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the final word in my home. You know, I'm going to be the, yeah. And he says, you know what, John? The final word is, yes, dear. <laughs> you know, and honestly, it's true. It's, it really works. <laughs> you know, but there's a mutual thing. I serve my wife. My wife serves me. There's amazing unity. Uh, yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> I'm still learning that, aren't I, babe? <laughs> still learning to listen. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes just having fun together. You know, when was the last time you just decided, let's go to Retidian and, and, you know, let's go for a swim or go for a hike. Or, let's, go, let's go do something fun. You know, let's go to Fish Eye. You know, we went with Pastor Mark one time. He took our whole family there to feed the fish down in Fish Eye, you know. And, and we were the fish outside watching the tourists, you know, inside that bubble thing, you know. And we had a great time, you know. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of fun, having fun together, building together, having, doing life together, fellowship, praying for each other. Sometimes... Some of us need to just say, boy, that married couple, that couple looks like they need a little help. They got all these kids from, you know, zero to, zero to 60. I know, not zero to 60. That's, that's a car. Uh, they got all these kids, and, and uh, maybe I should babysit them. 
Give them a break, you know. Uh, Jan and I, uh, we have the four kids. And then, uh, you know, they're getting older, so they're starting to head on. And uh, so we decided, let's, let's do a little babysitting. So we have a, a, one of our worship leaders. Uh, they, they have two kids. And so we give them, we go to their house at 7 in the morning and, you know, stay with the kids and let them do the worship and, and everything. And, and uh, so we actually do this babysitting. And it's, it's such that my kids are starting to ask, you know, is, do you guys have another family? <laughs> Andy and, and, the, and the guys, they, they say, man, mom and dad, I think they're getting jealous. You know, mom and dad, they got, a, they got a new family here. You know what's happening? But some of us need to do a little babysitting, you know, build unity. What are we doing? What are we doing to build unity here? What are you doing to build unity at Life in the Sun, Guam? Take time and ask, how can I build unity here? How can I strengthen what's, what's here, you know, to make it tighter so that, you know, in the, in the battle, the, the Roman soldiers used to lock their shields. They had a little mechanism that locked the shields together. You know, all the shields, when they, when they got together, you know, it's like a you know, transformer thing. And they, they locked their, and so nothing could penetrate. Nothing could penetrate that. It was like one shield, how can I lock shields better with my brother, with my sister, with my husband, with my children? How can I lock shields better with my pastor and, and uh, Miss Terry? How can I lock shields better with that? How am I building unity here? So what was that one? I forgot. Unity. Yeah. United team. It's a united. We need a united team to go from small to big. Everyone okay? I got one more. Thing to share. The last thing in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies or the Lord of hosts. Not by might or not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Everyone knows that scripture, hopefully. Trust in the Lord. And in all your ways, and he will. Amen. Amen. That's an old scripture. I hope everyone's got that memorized. But I want you right now to lean on the person next to you. Lean on. Oh, yeah. Don't fall asleep. You know? Yeah. Come on, bro. I love this bro right here. He's active. (laughs) The Bible says that we need to not lean on our understanding, but lean on who? Lean on God. We need to lean on Him. We need to depend on Him. We need to to rely absolutely on Him. Not what someone says, or not the latest business book, or not the latest thing that's happening on the internet. Not to rely on that. You know, I can get so reliant on my on my cell phone or on all these things, you know. Candy crush God, you know. <laughs> Who am I leaning on for my joy, my recreation, my peace? Who am I leaning on to accomplish this work that he's called me to? Not, definitely not my own flesh or my own understanding. It needs to be the Lord God Almighty. We need to listen to him. We need to take time with him. During an earthquake... 
some years ago, the inhabitants of a small village, uh, they were generally, generally, they were pretty uh, messed up in their minds because the earthquake, you know, I don't know how many of you, we, we suffer from earthquakes here, I know. I've been in a couple earthquakes in Guam, so, you know, you're kind of rolling, rocking and rolling, you know, you're getting pushed around, things are falling out the shelves, and, you know, the mirror in the room is busted, and, you know, you're just, everything's in chaos, okay? Now, these villagers, they were in, you know, not in good, in good uh, in mind, state of mind. But they were at the same time, they were surprised at the attitude and the calmness and the apparent joy, this lady, of this old lady that was in the, uh, the village. And so you can imagine, you know, everything's in chaos all around them. You know, everything's shaking. Buildings are toppling. You know, little dogs are falling over. Got a strange imagination, but <laughs> little dogs are falling over, you know, and people are just, you know, cars are careening and, and everything's happening. And this little lady sitting on a little bench it's just calm and smiling and joyful. Okay, get this picture, right? Okay, so then someone decided to go ask her, what is it, mother? Mother, are you not afraid? Aren't you, aren't you afraid of what's happening around you? How many of us, life is just a big earthquake, feels like? Finances, you know, kids, you know, job. You know, everything's like a big earthquake. You're just, and then you look over and see Van sitting there just calm, joyful. Yeah, come on, bro. Collected, you know. That was the same with this old woman. Ah, <laughs> and they went up to her and asked her. And they said, Mother, are you not afraid? And the woman answered very confidently, no. And this is what she said, how she finished. I rejoice to know that I have a God who can shake the world. That's a different perspective. Amen? I, I rejoice. Not, in the, not that I'm strong. Not that I'm relying on myself. Not that I'm calm and, you know, I'm just gritting my teeth and saying, yeah, I could get through this. I'm tough. I'm strong. You know, I can do But that I know who's shaking the world. I know him. I know the guy who actually has the world in his hand. And he's kind of just, maybe he just sneezed. <laughs> you know, can you picture it? I got a crazy imagination, but, you know, God's holding the world. And he suddenly, <laughs> you know, and the world shakes. I know the God who shakes the world is our ultimate trust in the God who can shake the nations. The God who can shake our neighborhood. Is our ultimate trust in the God who can shake our friends and family? Is our ultimate trust in the God who can shake us? Are we focused on the shaking? Or are we focused on the one who's doing the shaking? You know, I, I, I remember a, uh, a vivid picture. Uh, I saw this cartoon in a Christian magazine of, of these uh, there was the United States and Russia and China and all these superpowers. You know, they were, they were, they were just boasting among themselves, saying, "Hey, you know, we got so many ICBMs to destroy the world twenty times." And then Russia, we've got enough ICBMs to destroy the world seventy times. In the United States, you know, I got enough to destroy the world a hundred thousand times. And so they were all boasting each other. And then the caption went back. The picture went back a little bit. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And what you saw was the earth. And then you could see this big finger <laughs> just like that. That's nothing. <laughs> I know. I rejoice in the God that I know shakes this world. That's a different perspective. I hope that brings a little bit of relief to your shaking world right now. That we need to ultimately trust in the God who shakes the world. We have Ian, I take care of uh, every nation missionaries all over the world. We have about 50 units uh, everywhere from Istanbul, Turkey to Madrid, Spain to Japan to North Vietnam. And wonderful, amazing men and women of God who, have, who know and rely absolutely on the God who shakes this world. They've taken their children to places there. Are, I, I wouldn't take my kids there, really. I mean, I tried to take my kids to Cambodia one day, and, and I got sent out because they said, you know, Cambodia is not the place for you. But these people have gone and, uh, and shaken the world because they know the God who shakes. So what, is, what does ultimate trust look like as a member of life in the sun? What does ultimate trust in God look like for a member of life in the sun, church? In, first of all, your finances. How does that look with your tithes and offerings, you know? At the end of the month when things are rough, when things are tight, when things are not going the the way you would like financially, are you still willing to give that 10% or that 20, whatever God's called you to give? Are you still willing to? Diligently do that. You know, I, I pay my tithes and offerings on the internet. So mine go faster than anyone else, you know. They get there quick. You know, I don't have to wait for this. You know, I got, you know, one button, bing, you know. It's there. God's got it right away, you know. I, uh, once I know that, that my salary's in, that tithe gets there, bang, you know, boom. You know, yeah, get, <laughs> don't forget. But who is our ultimate trust in? In our giving. In our family, you know. I raised four kids, and uh, I remember my mom. I'll hurry up here, man. I see that time. My, my mom, when I went out on the mission field, I remember just standing at the door and saying goodbye with tears running down her face. You know, and my heart just wanted to stay home. I just wanted to hug my mom and just four foot 11 going to heaven. And I just wanted to hug this little lady and say, okay, <laughs> that's enough pain. I, I'll stay home, you know. I, you know, God will send someone else. <laughs> you know? There's other Jonas out there. <laughs> but, you know, anytime I, I, I would share that, she, she would just remind me that she had dedicated me to the Lord when I was a kid. And she is releasing me. So she sent me out, you know. There's many times I've wanted to come back and, you know, get back and embrace my mom and dad. And God, they kept releasing me and saying. And so the same with my children. I, you know, releasing them to the Lord to how, however he wants to call them. Our children, our family, our wives, our sisters and our brothers, our houses and lands, our faith. How do we ultimately trust him with our faith? Is there something new that God wants you to do? Is it just your co-worker where God wants you just to say, hey, can I pray for you today? How can I pray for you? That's all. Just saying, how can I pray for you? Or that person that you've never taken out the coffee or given, uh, brought to Shirley's. <laughs> you know, wow, I got food on the mind here. But, you know, how can I, can I bless that person? I, I work at a, a department store. Uh, to get my Starbucks money. I work four hours a week. Funny, but I still do this. And uh, I work from four in the morning to eight o'clock 
in the morning, and then I go off to the office after that. Now, I, there's many times I've wanted to just, you know, not, I quit that, and, you know, I didn't want to, but God's uh, continuing, he puts me there because three things. First of all, each box has a country on it. Cambodia. So I pray for Cambodia, you know, and I put that on the, on the rack and China, put that on the rack. And then the rest of the team, they open them up and everything. Then they send boys back to me and amazing times of being able to share the gospel with them. Uh, been able to bring boys to my young men, to my uh, small group and, and share with them. And finally it, you know, I mean, it keeps me, keeps me fit, but, <laughs> but it's, it's wonderful. God, God wants us to continue to allow him to stretch our faith. How are we ultimately trusting God in our faith? I heard Josh is taking teams out to, to feed the homeless. That's a faith stretcher sometimes, you know. Sometimes, people, you know, you go to people that don't really love you, don't really care about what, you know, but you just go anyway. Ultimately trusting God, leaning on him that, yes, you're going to use me. You're going to use the tools that you've given me to bless others. And so let me finish up. So, To go from small to great, we need to use the tools. We need a united team. And we need to ultimately trust that God is going to complete the work that he began in us and in this church. It's a small beginning to great victories. So the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. As a family, we do work with every nation. I run the mission department. We are uh, taking care of missionaries all over the world. We're sending out young people for a year to experience missions. Uh, we, right now, a new project is we're helping refugees in Germany. There's 800,000 refugees, Syrian refugees, that have come into Germany. Uh, just in Munich alone, 100,000 ended up in the train station, shut the whole city down. So our pastors in Germany are asking us, send Arabic speakers and lay people just to love on these, on these uh, uh, refugees. And that's what we're, we're working with. It's a brand new project we're working on. I'm, I'm helping passive missionaries. And also we, we are helping with a couple ministries that are uh, reaching out to the Muslims. And that's our, one of our target areas. God's been good. And so I just wanted to share this morning uh, just a bit of what God wants to do in each of our lives and how he's done that in my life. And uh, as, as a couple and as a family, we've always gone to, uh, we've re- realized that we could not do this by ourselves, that we need people, ministry partners, who would get behind us financially or in prayer or just encouragement. And so that's why we've come back to Guam just for this bit of time. We've got some amazing ministry partners here and even in this room. And I just want to thank you all so much. But we're continuing to build our partnership team. So I actually asked Van, uh, we've got some of these cards here. I've got about an, a week and a half here in, uh, in, uh, on Guam. And uh, if you'd like, I'd love to share a little bit more about that with you and how you could partner with us. Uh, and so if you could fill that out, then... Uh, we'll, we'll collect those and I'll contact you. Yeah, just raise your hand. Sorry, Van. Raise your hand if you'd like one of those cards. And I'd uh, love you to fill it out and then I'll contact you through the week. Is there anyone that would like that? Yeah? Okay. Great. Okay. I see that hand. <laughs> I had to say that. Yeah. Thank you. And right back there. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, bro. So I, I'm looking forward to contacting those who, who fill these cards out. But I just want to thank you so much for allowing us to share. And I really believe that God is doing an amazing work here. I, I, I've come 
at different times of life in the sun. And I just seen, you know, honestly, I, I barely have to preach this message, but I see so many of you already using the tools. I see this is a united team, and it's getting stronger, stronger and stronger. And that ultimate trust is happening here. So I just, these are reminders, and I, I believe God's going to take this not just for multiplication, but it's going to become exponential. And so uh, let me just encourage you. It's, it's a great thing. It's a new season, and I just uh, am blessed to see what God's doing here. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> I want to invite the worship team to come on up, but we also want to take some time to pray with you. I'm going to invite John just to be up here too as we pray. And if you would just close your eyes and uh, bow your heads. And as we do from week to week, Mm -hmm. we just ask, Lord God, what are you saying to me? Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to take some time just to be quiet, turn your heart toward God, Mm -hmm. just to turn your attention toward him and to listen just to hear from him. And then in a moment, we want to pray with you. Mm. Father, I thank you for the word of encouragement that you see us and you've not forgotten us mm-hmm. and you see our potential yes, Lord. individually and also as a church family mm-hmm. as nuclear families in our homes yes, Lord. Father thank you that you've given us this amazing gift of life mm. and I thank you God that you're in the process of restoring our lives and that you're wanting to accomplish all that you intended from the beginning. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, God. And Lord, I thank you that you give us an opportunity just to take one step one day at a time thank you. Yes, to participate Lord. in what it is that you're calling us to be. And God, thank you that in you there's hope mm-hmm. and that we have a destiny. Amen. Father, we ask that you would renew our minds. Yes, yes, Father. And that you would allow us to be able to see what you see. Yes, Father. In others, in ourselves, in our families. Yes, yes, Lord. But most of all, in you. Yes, God. Yes, Father. And so I want to give you an opportunity just to say yes to God, however it is that he's speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Just take a moment to respond to him in your heart. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Father, I just, um, I just really sense, God, uh, I just see, I, I want every man in this room to just put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. I just want to pray a prayer for us men in this room. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you have called me as a man of God, as a, a destiny fulfiller, Father God. Thank you that you called me as a warrior, Father God, in your kingdom. Thank you that you've called me to love, 
like no one has loved before. Thank you they've called me to speak your word like no one has spoken your word before. Thank you that you've called me to love, Father God, this island and its ministry, this church and its ministries. Father, thank you that you've called me, Father God. You've destined me, Lord, for greatness and great potential. Father, I pray right now, I pray for each man in this room, God, that none of them would sell themselves short, Father God, of the potential, of the greatness, of the, the, uh, the, the, the future and the hope and the destiny that you have called them into. And uh, I believe the Lord would say to you that I've, I've called you as children from the time you were born. I called you to be a, a mighty warrior in my hand. You're a mighty arrow in my hand. And I'm, I'm shooting you forth into this island, to the Pacific, into the Asia. And you're going you're gonna to wreak havoc on the enemy's camp. And, Father, I thank you for each man in this room, Father God, that, that Lord, as they take their place, Lord, in your kingdom, that you would give them uh, the security of knowing that you're, you've got their back, Lord, that they have uh, the, all of heaven is behind them, Father God, that your warring angels are guarding them all around, Father God, that you've given them of your Holy Spirit, Father God. Every word that they speak, Lord, will be effectual, Father God. Every deed that they do, Father God, will produce fruit for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, God bless the men of this house, Father God. Encourage them, strengthen them, guide them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I just want to pray pray for the women in the the house right now. I want you just to lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for the women of this home, Lord God. You've raised them up, Father God, even to be leaders in their own right, Father God to be a blessing, Father God, to those around them. And Father, I pray for those, Lord, they've got open hands before you. I pray that you would just bless them today. Bless them, bless them, bless the work of their hands, God. Just as you did the, uh, the Proverbs, when we bless the work of their hands so they could bless others, so they could bless the men in their lives, Father God, so they could bless their families, their children, Father God, their co-workers. Bless their hands, the work of their hands. Bless their minds, God. I pray against the attacks of the enemy on their minds, Lord, and their identities, their, the things that would that weigh, weigh them down, Father God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that they would be released from all those things so that they could minister well, Father God, and use their hands well and wisely for your kingdom and your glory. Thank you so much, Lord. Just bless this house, I pray in Jesus' name. And John and Janet, I felt like the Lord has a word for you. I felt like the Lord wants to let you know that in this next season of your life, that you will go faster and you will go longer than you have in the beginning of your life. The Lord says that it's as if I saw the Spirit of God come down and swoop both of you up and you were riding on his wings. And it was like you were you were enjoying it. You were you, he was taking you further. He was taking you, you further above and Thank further in distance. And the Thank Lord you. says to you that in this next season of your life, that you it's not even going to get harder. It's mm. actually going to be easier. There's going to be a greater mm. joy. There's going to mm. be a greater fulfillment in you, what you do as a couple, as Thank a ministry. You. The Lord just says that um, you know it, it. It feels like the first part of your life in ministry. It feels like you've been running and you've been on foot. But then the Spirit of the Lord just came and swooped you up, and he was Thank taking you, you further. And so the Lord Jesus. says, be at rest and be encouraged because he is going to empower you, and you won't even, you won't even feel the weight of that. You'll just enjoy it. So I just want, 
uh, Lord, we just we just seal that promise that you're 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 speaking to them right now, Lord. Seal it and write it upon their hearts, Lord. And Lord, as they go further into the future, Lord, help them to even look back and see the the fulfillment of things that you have already promised them. That the Lord says you will see the fulfillment of the promises He yes. has made to you. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Everybody said, "God is good." Let's all stand.